and uh, we will be recording this and it'll be going live later on uh, and there'll be replays available for everyone later on. Can I just ask, uh, before we start, just a couple of quick things on housekeeping. Um, during the course of the presentation while David is speaking, if everyone can keep their microphones on mute, that will be great so that there's no background noise happening. Uh, if you do have questions throughout, just put your hand up and um, David and myself will, will respond and uh, invite you to, to join in. So I'll hand over to David, who will get us started. Thanks, David, for being with us. Good to see you again. Good to see you, Jerome. Thank you. I appreciate that. Nice to see everyone uh, that is able to, to make it here live. Um, I, I'm really excited to talk about culture. It's, uh, it's one of those elements of what we do as coaches that I, I really do connect with. It's, it's been a, a lifelong, career-long type of journey for me uh, to try and understand what are the different ways that we can effectively build a, a positive and um, a positive culture within your team and within your program. And in fact, I'm, I'm very excited that I have a former player of mine, actually, who is now a coach. Uh, up here on my screen, he's on the top holding his uh, newborn baby. Uh, but he played for me several years ago and uh, really proud of where he's taken his coaching now and, and excited to have him here um, alongside. So at any time, he might chime in and be like, Coach P wasn't like this when when uh, <laughs> when I played for when I played for him. But um, uh, yeah, I, I just want to say I'm excited for for tonight. Um, and um, before I get into sort of the content, as well as just introducing myself a little bit, give it a little bit of background on, on my journey, I'd like to go around and uh, give everyone here the opportunity, if they can uh, and are willing, to share a little bit about um, yourself, about where you are in the world, uh, what sport you coach, um, the age ranges, uh, what your experience is uh, as a player, as a coach. Uh, I would love to get to know uh, the coaches that are on the call here. So um, not going to sort of point anyone out, just open floor. This is a very informal uh, environment. Um, you know, it's all about messy learning for me. So please just jump in anyone and uh, let's just have a great conversation. Let's start by getting to know each other a little bit. So whoever wants to jump in first, please go ahead. Hi everybody, my name's Stephen Cavill-Fowler. Uh, I'm from Wellington, or living currently in Wellington, New Zealand. Uh, I coach swimming, um, hockey, and a couple other sports as well, um, from both five sixes um, up to uh, high school at the moment. I'm looking at a couple other opportunities uh, in the next wee while, but yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Nice to see you again, Stephen. Uh, hi everyone, let me introduce myself. Um, I'm, my name is Brian, uh, I'm from Malaysia, uh, in, in part of Malacca. Um, basically, I'm uh, um, running a club for grassroots level, Franciscan Hockey Club. Uh, it's actually school-based, um, age group category. And in the same time, uh, also in uh, coaching, for um, national uh, development program for uh, Malaysia uh, under 
uh, Coach Paul Remington, now leading us. Uh, so I'm also doing under the age group, under 14 category as the head coach. So uh, basically, we are based in Melaka, and um, I'm only coaching for the hockey. That's all. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Nice to meet you. Liam, how about you? Uh, hi, my name is Liam. Uh, I've been a coach for one year now, so I'm a very new coach. Uh, I teach basketball to elementary students and up to high school. So the age range is like five to 16. And um, yeah, uh, my club is based around like around the Vancouver area. Um, actually, I've been training kids um since last june but only started coaching like in actual games last week so you know just starting out liam what what is your club uh fundamentals basketball club oh i got you okay yes awesome awesome great to have you good, e good evening everyone uh, my name is serge congolo kaipangi and uh, like Coach Petrus said, I'm one of his former players, and uh, I also coach uh, basketball, um, and I also train, uh, working on skill enhancement uh, with the various players around the Montreal uh, area uh, in Quebec, Canada. Um, so, and and also coaching high school teams, summer AU teams. So, um, just trying to implement as much as possible uh, in different areas to see how I could help out. So. That's me. Nice to meet you all. Appreciate you, Congolo. Um, we just had a couple other folks. Rupam, is your um, audio working? It looks like his audio isn't working there yet. Okay, fair enough. Um, there are a couple of others. Yeah. Um, not sure who else is. There's one other there. If, if you might just need want to call on call on a David, I can't. Sure, Unsawi, can you hear us? Mm. Maybe not. Okay. Well, we can always come back as we get through. Um, you know, like I said. Uh, the, the, the least important thing to me is during this type of a conversation is, um, you know, formality and, and it's all about function for me. I just want to help everybody get better, uh, maybe drop, you know, some ideas for you to, to think about. So please, you know, we'll, we'll come back and get to know some of the new folks that come in um, and, uh, and then we can, we can go on from there. It's not a problem. And, and I just want to say as well, Whenever you have questions, you know, you can feel free to drop it into the chat um, or just unmute yourself and, and just interrupt me. When I'm speaking to coaches in person, you know, I tell them just throw something at my head. Um, you know, whatever it is that, uh, that, that you, you can do, just go ahead let's, and let's just have that conversation. The, le the last thing I want is to just talk for the entire time listening to myself. Um, you know, that, that is not fun for me and, uh, it won't be fun for you either. So let's just have as much of a conversation as possible. Um, 
you know, I guess I'll start with a little bit of an introduction of myself uh, to, to give some background on um, where I've come from and, um, you know, where I am now and, and that a little bit about the journey that has gotten me from, from there to here. Um, I'm born and raised in Quebec City, which is the French part of Canada. It's the capital of the province of Quebec, and I, I was born and raised there. I, I went to school there. Um, I grew up in sport, or surrounded by some incredible coaches. Uh, my parents were both extremely influential on me when it comes to you know my my approach to teaching, my approach to coaching, my approach to mentorship. I had some excellent coaches coming up as a young person in school and out of school. Um, just people that spoke into my life and just took an interest in who I was, who I was becoming as a person. Um, and they were really formative um, in, uh, in my own experience. And one of the reasons why I, I try to give back as much as possible and I try to, to spend as much time as possible with coaches of all levels is because we matter a lot. Uh, we matter more than we will realize, in fact. Uh, in the lives of our athletes and in the lives of the people around our athletes. Um, and so I was really fortunate uh, to, to grow up in a, in a great sporting environment. I played multiple sports uh, growing up, none of them at a super high uh, level in the sense of uh, as a university or a professional athlete. My best sport athletically was baseball, in fact. Um, and that was the sport with which I had the highest possibility of progression. I attended some major league development camps um, down in, in the United States. And that was the sport for which my, my body type was the best suited. Uh, but I loved basketball and basketball spoke to me on a different level um, in terms of the fluidity of the game and in terms of the connection that you need with the other people on the court. And I think from an early age, that um, synergy and that alignment that you need to be successful in that sport really was something that I could connect with. It was all about that culture and that connection. Um, so I think I've been kind of building culture uh, right from the very beginning and really interested in connecting with culture uh, right from the very beginning of when I started to play as, as an elementary school student uh, and moving my way up through high school and college um, in Quebec. I started coaching very young um, and, uh, you know, it, I'm going into year 24 uh, coaching. Uh, most of that has been at the uh, post-secondary or professional levels. I'm just now working again with uh, high school aged athletes. And uh, I realized that uh, it's the first time since about 1999 that I've, I've worked with um, high school uh, aged, youth aged. Uh, having an actual team of those uh, that age bracket. So that's been a great experience for me to reconnect with um, the roots of what it is that we are doing. Uh, and, you know, as a change of context and a change of conversation uh, away from what I've been typically having over the last number of years. My, my journey as, as a coach has been incredibly fortunate. Um, as I've said many times, I am just a, uh, you know, an relatively unathletic Caucasian man from Quebec City, from French Canada, 
And I've been just so fortunate to have opportunities to work in a game um, that is global uh, and to uh, experience the game in different places, to experience the game at different levels. I, you know, I, for example, I got to go to India and I spent um, two months in India working with the Indian national program um, a number of years ago and was just an incredible experience and incredible opportunity to, to grow. I've coached at the professional level um, in Australia, as well as in Canada. I've worked with colleges and universities um, on both sides of the border and um, work with clubs in Europe and overseas. And so basically I'm very, very lucky. Um, and part of what we do as coaches, I believe, is open up a window into another um, set of possibilities for our athletes. And I know that I benefited from that where I was told early on, you know, you are going to be a coach, you are going to be a leader, you are going to be a mentor. And my mind was beginning to be framed by that idea. And I began to adopt it and I began to live it. And as I did it more and more, I began to see how important it is to do what we do. So first, I want to say thank you um, to you who are coaching wherever you are, whatever level you are coaching at, uh, whatever sport, whatever environment, um, it matters. And I appreciate you because you are speaking into the lives of young people and young people in the world need us. Um, so, you know, I, I come with that sort of a mindset when it comes to what we do, I value what we do. I take what I do um, seriously. I invest my time in it to, to improve at it on an ongoing basis. Um, whether or not my full-time uh, paycheck or my full-time employment is as a coach or not as a coach, um, it doesn't matter. And I've had the opportunity to do both. Um, I just want to thank you for doing what you're doing at a grassroots level. So a little bit about me. Now I'm living in the Vancouver area. Um, I, uh, I work with a variety of younger level athletes uh, at the club level. Um, I mentor coaches. I, I coach coaches. I help with high performance. I work with our provincial association to try and improve the game. Um, yeah, so I'm just really fortunate to keep going and doing what I love in a sport that I love. Um, living in a, in a pretty cool spot here in the lower mainland of, of British Columbia. So a little bit about me. Now, we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about culture uh, and here to talk about how our conversation can uh, hopefully help you in your environment and with your group. So what I'm going to do is, uh, Jerome, assuming I have the ability to share my screen, um, I will go ahead. I've set that up so you should be able to, no problems. Fantastic. So let me start uh, that and then I will go to this. And share. All right, can everybody see the screen? We good? Yeah, certainly can. All right, excellent. Okay, now I'm just trying to rearrange the videos. Okay, 
Okay, so first of all, my contact information is there. Please feel free. My WhatsApp is open. Um, I, I love having conversations, just connecting with people wherever you are. Do, do not hesitate to reach, reach out to me at any time. There's an email there that you can also use um, and, and contact me uh, at any time directly. Uh, please don't hesitate. Anything you want to talk about, I would love uh, to do that. Today, I'm going to talk about creating quality culture in your team or your program and share some ideas on how we can go about doing that. Let's see if this is going to work for me. Now, the culture in grassroots and youth sports, we're going to talk a little bit about that, try to get a little bit of a sense of where we are. I, this is going to be interactive. I'm going to ask for you to share some information so I can help. It's going to help me understand the environment that you're uh, living in. We're going to talk about uh, what culture is, why it matters, and how we can go about developing it. And I want to make sure that there's a practical component to, to what we're doing. So hopefully some tips that you can implement um, in your own sessions, in your own team, within your own program, um, after having you know, thought about how it might uh, work in your environment. And, and I, I'm the first to say, and I'm going to come to that in a minute, that you know, do not just copy something that another coach does. You have to really think about uh, how it applies for you. I love this image. Um, you know, a number of years ago, John Gordon wrote The Energy Bus. It's a very popular book um, in, in, in North America, uh, at least, where, um, you know, he spoke about uh, there being seats on the bus and you want to have the right people in the right seats, but also the right people on the bus. And I just love this image because it's an empty bus or it's an empty um, subway or, or, or sort of L, L train uh, from New York uh, City, in fact. And it's, it's a helpful image that I like to present to you as a thought provoker, because what it does is it asks the question, how are you going to fill the seats on your bus? What matters to you? Who are you going to allow in the bus with you or in the train uh, with you? Why would someone want to ride along with you? Why would they want to be in your bus or in your train? Okay. Culture is a major part of that. The culture that you have in your team goes a long way to answering both sides of that question. The one side being, why would someone want to ride with you? And the other side being, why would you want that someone to ride in your bus? Culture is the litmus test that we always must go back to. We always must go back to because it is what makes everything possible. So I just like that. I like that image. Now, as you can see, there is no perfect formula. I have no idea what any of that is. I, I love just the, the sheer... I, I have so much love and respect for the people that think in these terms. I cannot. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that equation does, but it, it just signifies complexity, okay? But it also signifies a solution. And my point to this is that there is no perfect formula. There is no perfect formula. 
what is going to work for me will not work for you. What will work for you will not work for the other person. Okay. We are coaching different people. We are coaching in different cultures. We are different coaching, different sports, different rhythms. Okay. All of these things really matter. These are ideas which work for me and they align with my views on sport, on coaching, on mentorship, et cetera. I really do encourage you. And those of you who have listened to the podcast will have heard me say this before. I encourage you to think critically about what you're doing, why you're doing it. Okay. And how you can improve your coaching and how it affects your team, your players. Okay. So everything that we're going to share, please, I don't want that to be an endpoint for you. I want that to be a starting point for you. I want that to be where you can launch your own reflections on. We are not going to get into the transformational, transactional sort of, um, you know, dyad or discussion tonight, but I, I just love this picture so much that I, I just had to include it. And the transactional nature of sport is one of these um, things that I am so dead set against. It really aggravates me when I, when I witness transactional culture in action, when I witness transactional coaching. And we, we have grown up, most of us, in a sporting context where the coach does everything that matters except play the actual sport, okay? It is very coach-centric. We come from a culture, a coach, a sporting culture where it is very coach-centric. And our challenge today is to try and flip that dynamic to where we are athlete centered in our culture. And that is where I'm going to spend most of the time uh, talking tonight. But this idea of it's a transaction between you and the athlete, do this, get that. And the image just speaks for itself. Okay. There is no relationship between you and the person from whom you are buying the milk at the supermarket. It is a transaction. You don't you give money to the market, you take your produce away, that's it, okay? Coaching for a long time was that. The advice that coaches got, do not get too close to your athletes. That is the wrong advice. We are no longer living in that type of an environment. And so this coach-centric idea, that's a whole other issue, a whole other idea. We can dive into that another time. But I just wanted to share that. Culture can be coach-centric. Culture can be transactional. In my opinion, those are not healthy cultures, okay? So I just wanted to start a little bit by talking about what we don't want, in my opinion. I do think that there is some connective tissue. There is a connection, okay, between having an athlete-centered culture creating an environment of psychological safety, fancy word for saying, I'll get to that. It's not, not, that, not that complicated, but this idea of psychological safety and being intentional and building our culture. These things are connected. If you are intentional about building your culture and you focus on creating a safe environment psychologically for your athletes, in addition to a safe physical environment, 
then what you are doing is creating an athlete-centered culture. And these things are connected. Culture is what makes all things possible. Every fruit that the tree that would otherwise be falling over will bear is made possible by what is holding it up. And that is what your culture is. Your culture within your team, within your program, it makes everything else possible. It makes performance possible. It makes experience possible. Your culture is what sets the tone. It sets the stage. And it determines how you are going to go about trying to achieve the outcomes that you're trying to achieve. Culture matters. It matters. I think we can all recognize that. Where did this work to? Hello? Oh, was that Someone mean? just came in and I fixed it for you, Matt. It's, they're muted. Oh, I got you. Okay. I wasn't sure if there was a question. No, it's all good. It's all good. Um, so culture, again, we can all kind of intuitively feel that, right? We know it matters. That's why we're here, wherever we are in the world, talking about it, okay? I, I just want to impress that point upon you. You do not need to be coaching a professional team. You do not need to be coaching a university team. You do not need to be coaching a national team. You could be coaching a group of 12 and under kids. Your team has a culture. It does. Your team has a culture. And that culture is going to matter a great, great deal. So what is culture? First of all, culture is action-based and not memo-based. Okay? And by memo-based, I mean, you, you, we can't just have a, a meeting and say, hey, this is what our culture is going to be about. We can't just uh, make a T-shirt and put, um, you know, family on the T-shirt or put, you know, together on the T-shirt. We can't just come together in a cheer and go one, two, work. Okay, that's not what makes a culture. Culture is action based, action based. It needs to be built by the habits that you create and the expectations of behavior, the standards that you have that are being lived, okay? We've gone through a, a revolution, I think, which is very positive in terms of, we talk about standards within teams now. It's fantastic, it's great. Having standards written down, some of the more famous ones, for example, uh, USA Basketball's uh, Beijing Olympic, you know, renaissance when USA Basketball made its return to, uh, to, to better play and to better performance and to more respectability just by, by behaving better. They had standards. But those standards, the 12 golden standards, those standards are all well and good, but they don't matter at all if they are not lived. One of the more uh, popular um, culture books out there is Legacy by James Kerr, studying the New Zealand All Blacks uh, in rugby union. 
And, you know, all of the things that go into making the All Blacks the All Blacks, it's all well and good. But the reason that it works is because they live it. They live it every day. And that is one of the conclusions they came to after they've had, they had a period of relatively lack of success. They weren't satisfied with that. And what they realized is that their culture was broken. And they went about fixing it. And it, they didn't stop at just identifying the problem. They, they made it real by making it action-based. Culture is the how, the what, and the why of your program. It is what you do where you are. It is how you do those things. It's how we do these things. That is our culture. Okay? Culture explains why you do the things the way that you do them. You can always go back to that and get the answer. Why? Your culture will tell you that. Why do we make sure that we, um, I'll, I'll talk about that later, but something called a spotlight. Why do we spotlight someone in practice, in training, when they do something right? Stop training, throw a parade, celebrate something. Why do we do that? The why might be because it is in our culture to have a positive environment. It is in our culture that we are going to try and build people up and, and show them when they're doing something right instead of always pinpointing what they're doing wrong. That is a way of taking, we have a positive culture and making it action-based. That's how you put those two together. So culture is what you do where you are. Culture is how you do those things. And culture explains why you do those things the way that you do them. I, I love this idea that culture is the water that you live in with your teammates, your colleagues, your coaches, your program supporters, your club officials, okay? It's the water that you live in. Imagine if you live in water and not on land. You are all sharing the same water in the pool what the what is the first thing we do when there's an accident in the pool we get out of the water nobody wants to be around that if someone has an accident in the pool a child has a has a, has an accident in the pool everybody gets out makes sense think about your culture in that way Think about your culture as the water in which you live with everyone that is involved with your team. And if someone brings something into the water that you don't want to have as part of who you are and to have around you and to live in that, you need to change something. Okay? So it's the water you live in. I just love that idea. ABC, always build culture. Everything we do is either building or breaking your culture. We often say, you know, you have to fight for your culture every day. And that can sound confusing because how do you do that? What does that mean? I don't look at it as a fight. I look at it as 
What we have to do is keep people connected, keep people connected to the culture, keep people connected to what they need to be doing in order to live the culture. If we have a workman culture, we are hard workers. If someone is not working hard, coaches always condone what they tolerate. If we tolerate someone not working, when that is not our culture, we are breaking our culture. So it's not a fight because I don't look at it as, a, as I'm dragging the athletes or I'm dragging my assistant coaches to come to this culture. If they don't wanna be on the bus, they won't be on the bus. They can find a new bus. I look at it as keeping people connected. They're on the bus because they wanna be there. As Congolo can say, for example, playing for me, it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. Now, that's all well and good. However, we need to find the right people to be on the bus and to put them into the right seats. And they're not going to be where you need them to be right away. You need to, you need to coach them where they're at. You need to see the possibility in them. You need to see where they can be once they get through the challenges that they have. So always build your culture means always remind people and always keep them connected to the way that you do things where you are, however that looks. In basketball, we see a lot of, if we, have, if we wanna have a culture where we are connected, offense is where we see that because the ball is, has so much magnetism. If somebody is not sharing the ball or somebody is over dribbling the ball, they are disconnecting from their group, okay? If they are disconnecting from the group, they are disconnecting from the culture. You gotta bring them back. But if they're there in the first place, it's because they wanna be there. So here, those are some ideas on culture. And again, please, anyone, if you have questions, uh, please jump in, unmute yourself, ask a question, put it in the chat. Uh, Jerome is monitoring the chat. Um, so please don't hesitate. An athlete-centered culture. And we talked a little bit about the coach-centric, where it's all about the coach. It's all about what you want. It's all about making that transactional um, relationship function. Okay. Uh, but an athlete-centered culture is a culture that makes it about the athletes and their needs and not the coach and our needs. It's about them, not about us. It is focused on solutions rather than appearance. Myself, I have experienced a, a gradual evolution in my own coaching. I grew up and, I, and it's true what I said about the great coaches I had, but I grew up with this idea that if, if I'm not ranting and raving on the sideline of a basketball game, I must not be coaching. And so you coach the way that you're coached when you start. And so into the game I go, as I start coaching, I am very, very dynamic on the sideline but to the point where am I helping or am I hurting? 
And oftentimes as coaches, we, we always have to remind ourselves, it's actually not about us. It's actually really not about us. It's about them. It's about the athletes. It's about what they need. What do they need from us? Okay. And an athlete centered culture is a culture that builds standards, turns them into actions, lives those actions every day, which model and demonstrate that we are making it about our athletes, not about us. It matters because it means that you are coaching for the impact that we want to have as coaches. We want to help our athletes improve. We want to help our athletes grow and develop as people, as, as players, okay? We are not in it for our coaching accolades. The coaching accolades, they come because our athletes succeed. And certainly the coaches play a, a big role in shaping, in directing, but the next time that I step onto the court and win a basketball game by making a shot in a game that I'm, it'll be the first time, like when I'm coaching, like if I wanted to do that, then I would play, but I'm not playing, I'm coaching. So I should coach. Coaches are facilitators. We are teachers. Okay. And it's important that we take this to heart. If we take it to heart, we can put our ego to the side and realize that what we are really doing is playing the long game for our athletes. Certainly we have games to play and we want to win. It's not a participant, you know, winning matters, winning matters. I want to win as much as the next person. I'm very, very competitive. Um, however, it also is good competitively when we make it about the athletes and not about us. It's going to guide how you teach, how you interact, how you respond to situations. When there's a conflict with an athlete, are you putting yourself in a space where you are ready to think about where the athlete is coming from? What is their background? What have they lived? What have they lived before they got to that point? Because remember, the athletes are people first and players second. And so if we are building a culture that is about the athlete, we need to pour into the person and we need to understand the person before we can start thinking about their skill sets or thinking about their, their abilities on the floor. Culture is comprehensive. Culture is not in isolation. Culture is comprehensive. It helps your coaching and it helps your team because if you care, they care. I was just speaking with some coaches the other day and I said the bottom line is that you are going to get what you demand. And what I mean by that is what you care about, they're going to care about. If you care about something enough to make it a part of your team culture and you take a little bit of time to be able to identify what that value means, what that element 
looks like in real life as it's being lived. And you, you don't, you know, ABC one, two, three, keep it simple. Keep it simple. So if you choose a few things and then you focus on those things, you care about those things, your athletes will care. Because intuitively, your athletes want your approval. They want your praise. We all want that as human beings. We want to be recognized for what we do. And if we set the stage in our culture by saying, this is what matters. You work hard. You play together. Whatever that might be for you. And then you say, this is what that looks like. Okay. You thank a teammate when they do something for you. You make an extra play. You make a sacrifice with your body. You run. Okay. That's what that looks like. And you value it and you spotlight it and you showcase it and you celebrate it when you see it. They're going to care about it. They, they will. Okay. If you care, they care. If you care, they care. So some things to consider when building your culture. To coach in 2021, you should live in 2021. I, we see it a lot in, in our sport. Maybe you see it in your sport. But I often am going into gyms or I'm watching film or uh, particularly at, at lower levels. And I just I say to myself, wow, that looks like 1995 basketball. And you might kind of be experiencing something similar in your own sport as well. Your sports have evolved. My sport has evolved. The athletes have evolved. The skill sets have evolved. The game has evolved. Okay? That means we need to coach it differently. Tactically, technically, strategically, the game has changed. Whatever our game is. Particularly team sports, particularly invasion sports, um, you know, particularly those sorts of things, because by and large, athletes are going to be more skillful. Certainly, I know when I was growing up, we, you know, when we got to, you know, scrimmage and practice, for example, or we got to shoot from the perimeter, um, it was a big deal. It was a big deal back then. And today, it's all about equipping all the athletes with not just the skill sets, but also creating a safe space where they can experiment and fail. And we're going to get to that a little bit. What that means for coaching culture, though, is that we need to be rooted in, in the present right now. We need to be rooted in what is happening right now and where we are in the world right now in 2021. If I would approach a team and attempt to build a culture that was relevant in 2005 or 2014, today in 2021, I would not be successful at that. I could build it, but it wouldn't work. It wouldn't be something that would draw people in and keep them connected. They would not want to be on my bus. Okay. What that means in your context is going to be different than what that means in my context. The demographics of the athletes we work with, 
their experiences. The connected world is certainly making a gigantic difference. Just the fact that, you know, most underage players today, um, you know, have grown up in a completely different world than someone born in the 1980s uh, has, has grown up. And, and that's just a fact. So to coach in 2021, we need to live in 2021. This is one of those concepts that I would just encourage you to think about. What, what does that mean for me? I don't know. But think about that. Reflect on that. The SIP principles to me really are, I have them up here. I, I refer back to them a lot. I just, I, I glance at it, um, you know, several times a day. Specificity. The specific nature of what we do matters. If you want to build a culture, you need to know exactly what your culture is supposed to look like, feel like, okay, for the people that are in it. You need to be specific. The intensity of that process, the how, okay, the intensity of the experience is going to, dif to differ based on what you might be looking to create within your culture at any given moment. For example, if you are looking to build a culture, and every time I say culture, think habits, think standards, lived standards, okay? If you are looking to build a culture of hard work, the intensity of that learning is going to be very high because your athletes need to exert themselves physically very high. Okay. You need to be very energetic. You need to be very hardworking yourself. It is going to be intense. If you're looking to build an element of your culture, your lived standards, your habits, that is positive and empowering. That is a different process, okay? It's a different process. So the intensity of one should not be applied to the situation of another. Be specific, measure the intensity, make sure that you are aware of what you are trying to do in that moment and don't use a hammer when really what you need is a wrench. Okay? It, you gotta be strategic on that. And then the performance, the when. Remember, we are in a performance world. We are trying to build up to something and it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. This does not just matter for the, the bigger teams that are trying to play at a national level, international level. It matters to the 14 year old trying to win their tournament next weekend. Okay. It matters. Your performance matters. And the way that you build your culture of performance also matters. So the when your culture will be exposed in the fire of competition. So when you are building your culture, your lived standards, your habits, I really want to encourage you to 
always prepare for that performance environment. Don't build a culture that will thrive in a um, non-competitive environment, okay? We often say that we, we prepare to beat the best teams on our schedule. We don't prepare to beat the worst teams on our schedule. We understand, we identify what is the level we need to be at to be at the top, and then you work to achieve that level. It's the same thing for your culture. If you have lived standards, if you have these habits that make your culture real, they need to be at a high enough level that they will sustain and come through for your team when it matters the most. And when it matters the most is in performance. It's in competition. Okay. So the cool. separate... Yes, go ahead, Sash. Um, I had a question, actually. I don't know if you saw it. I wrote it in the chat. Oh, sorry. No, I didn't. Go ahead. Okay, yeah. So, I, yeah, basically my question was just uh, uh, how does culture get destroyed? Like, um, we hear a lot about bad cultures, right? So, like, who's to blame for bad cultures? Because, uh, you know, in the, in the NBA, for example, there's you know, a player gets traded and they're like, oh, he's going to a bad culture. And does it always mean, you know, that it's a losing team? Does like bad culture translate into losing all the time, like automatically? Like since it's about uh, standards and habits, like like what is bad culture and like like who's to blame for bad culture? And um, yeah, that was, that was my question. Yeah, great question. And I do see on the chat, that there were some comments and I'm gonna read, read back through them, um, you know, here. You know, it, it is very true that, um, you know, what I said earlier in the sense of coaches, coaches endorse what we tolerate. And Stefan did say something where you, you get what you walk past, so to speak. Um, and, and, and that idea, and it's the things you walk past is the standard you accept. It's, and it's exactly the same idea right? You, if you are not willing to put your stamp of endorsement on something, you should not tolerate it. Because if you tolerate it, it's as good as putting your stamp of endorsement. And the way that this applies or relates to how a culture is destroyed, a culture is destroyed because we allow it to be destroyed. And by we, I don't mean just the head coach or the assistant coaches or the staff. I mean, the group. A culture is destroyed because we allow it to be destroyed. We allow someone to bring something negative, bad, whatever, destructive into the water that we all share. They come into the water and the water doesn't instantaneously change color. It happens over time, but you can see it happen. And if we allow it to continue, then we are all going to be living in that environment. We are all going to be tainted, so to speak, by the bad. There's community.
It's cutting off. We can't hear you anymore. Oh, okay, can you hear me? Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, all right. That must be my Wi-Fi again. Down by the border. It might have decided that it was going to cross over. Um, but where what I was going to say is that we have special responsibilities as coaches when it comes to culture, okay? We are builders of culture, but the way that I like to think about it is that we are caretakers of culture. We are caretakers. If you think about what a caretaker does, a caretaker tends to things, right? It A caretaker makes sure that the... Um, the environment is healthy, that the, the soil is, is watered, healthy. The right seeds are in the soil, okay? That's what a caretaker does. And that's what we are. We are caretakers of culture. We must take care of it. So it, it translates to losing. Often, I wouldn't say automatically, Serge, I, I would say it translates to losing eventually, sometimes quicker than others. Um, there are lots of successful teams and, and groups that don't have a good culture, um, but they might be more talented than their opposition. They might just have, right, like the ability to overcome. And it's also true that you can have groups that have great culture, that are super connected, that are all in and building something, but just don't have the talent. I know which of those two situations I would rather experience. I would rather experience the latter, where I have good people that I want to spend time with good people that I want to go into the gym with that I want to see every day um, or every time that we're out there, people that I want around my family, people that I want around my, my children. Um, these things matter to me. And of course, I'm looking for the most talented people possible uh, and the people with the most competitive drive and all of these different ingredients that you want to find in people and develop in people and help, you know, water these seeds. I know which one I want. Okay. Um, and sometimes that means, you know, my teams may not succeed quite as much right away uh, because we are actually spending time on trying to develop this culture and we are weeding people out so to speak. We are getting the wrong people out of the pool before we're all living in uh, bad water. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question a, a little bit, but... Um, no, I, like, I like the answer, especially when you said um, uh, that eventually it leads to losing and also the part where you talked about um, the... Um, like the water, like they will like, you know, mess up the water. Like I like that analogy. Like we, the, the water that we're all drinking will be like infected or I don't know, like exactly. eventually you know, it starts small. And yeah, so yeah. that was a very good answer. Um, it's it's yeah. very true what you said.
Yeah. No. I you you know one of the uh, a helpful image for me anyway one that I I refer to and I try to share as much as possible is this idea of the garden the ecosystem. Okay, I kind of spoke to it a little bit a few minutes ago, but your your culture your team is an ecosystem. It's a living environment. It's a living environment, and you need all of these different ingredients, all of these different elements um, to be healthy and to to prosper in order for your team, in order for your culture to prosper. If you have um, great soil to start, but you don't water it, it's gonna, it, it, it's gonna stop being nutrient rich, right? If, you, if you're trying to um, you know, grow tomatoes, um, but all you do is plant seeds for something else, that's not gonna work. You're not gonna grow tomatoes, okay? Um, and we, as the caretakers, as the coaches, it's our job to make sure that we've got good soil, good seeds, that we are tending to it on a constant basis because we are either breaking or we're building, period. Rupam, very oops, sorry. I was just going to say there's very little time where you are standing still, where it's just the same. You're either going one way or you're going the other when it comes to this. Go ahead, Joe. Rupam had a question there as well. Um, mm. Rupam, if you want to ask a question of David. Uh, yeah, sir, Jerome, sir, good morning. Anyway, uh, sir, I want to ask uh, David, sir, that uh, as he said, that uh, if you have to be a coach in coaching in 2021 your mindset should be as a 2021 what does it mean mm, yeah great great question great what, question what does it mean i have some queries in my mind and i can share it with devita that did he meant to say that the mindset of a coach should be upgraded uh the second thing is the uh, 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 setup the setup should be like uh, not the old one you have to implement like the players who are living in 2021 or anything else what you suggest us to do because as you said that thing I was also thinking about uh, yes, we have to, we don't have to say to the players or describe anything uh, like uh, uh, it happened in 1995, this happened in 1995 or this happened in 1987 uh, uh, and you have to do it now. I think that is not the uh, thing which uh, we should uh, say to the player nowadays. So uh, I want to get some more ideas from you if you have any because i was thinking of this part of the questions because what do you mean by 2021 yeah. to be coached and the mindset yeah so can yeah. you please tell me sir, anything more absolutely rupam thank you so much for that for that uh contribution i think you're i think you're really on the right track uh first of all um i would say that the mindset of a coach needs to relate to the mindset of the athletes. We need to understand the athletes. So, And the fact of the matter is that the athletes of today, their mindsets are going to be different 
than the mindsets of the athletes of, of the past. And, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. Um, it, I think it's making us as coaches need to uh, adjust and grow and get better. Um, athletes still want many of the same things. They want structure. They want discipline. They want improvement. They want development. They want performance, okay, in their sport. The manner in which we go about getting those things is not going to be the same. We're not going to go about it the same way in our terms of our mindset, our approach, the way we communicate, how we communicate, okay, with our athletes. Um, if we only see athletes, you know, in ninth, our coaches, the coaches that coached me, they started coaching in the 1960s, right? And so in the 1960s, there was no way for us to text our players or send video to our exactly, players. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, none yeah. of this existed, and so if we are still, if we don't talk to our players, that, that is talk, that is that is so that is actually the, the, the minor part of the of the subject, the mm, texting mm. or WhatsApp or gazette mm. using the gazette. I think uh, I think it is more vast. What you said, it it is very thinkable subject. It's a very thinkable subject. What do you mean by twenty twenty? You have to be in twenty twenty one. Yeah, if you want to coach in 2021, because it's it, what you said is all about the gadgets and all that is that is a part nowadays people are using gadgets to communicate or give some suggestion, give some videos or this or that. But I think it is more vast than what you are saying because if you if you if you want to coach in 2021, you you have to be regularly updated about the subject of coaching. Yeah. What is going on all through the world today's day, in the yes. minute which you are yes. living? Yes. In the minute, you, you, you are, are right. You you are right. And um, there's a couple ways to look at that. The first is, you know, the let's talk about COVID. It's unavoidable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know the the reality of what our athletes all over the world have experienced since March or whatnot of 2020. Um, yeah. has really changed their world quite a bit. And yeah. if, you know, and when we talk about 2021, if I coach the same way in 2021 that I did in 2019 before COVID, I'm probably doing it wrong. Okay. The, the athletes yeah. are, are different. Their world is different. We have to shift with that. I, I once went mm -hmm. into a resource library and um, in fact, it was in India. It was at, the National Sport Institute in Patiala. And I went there to speak and um, I go into their library and they had very modern um, equipment. They had very modern, cutting edge really uh, in a lot of ways. But when I got to the library um, and I got to the resources that the coaches that I would be speaking to were going to access, it was, they were uh, basketball master's students um their their resources were from 1980 okay um and you know the, the the director was like explaining how they were they were just beginning to update their resource because obviously they recognized that and and that is so common in a lot of places because it's not just about having resources or not having resources it's about being yeah. willing to learn 
being yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? It is about yeah, being absolutely. willing to learn. We used to think absolutely. coaches knew everything. Whatever the coach says must be right. Never show weakness, right? Never show weakness. And that's wrong because if we're being honest, we don't know everything. <laughs> so we, we shouldn't pretend that we do. And we should be having a mindset of being a continual learner. If we are a continual learner as a coach, our teams will be continual learners. That is living in the present day because the world is changing so fast as an example. Another example that when it comes to being in 2021 is the way that we coach our sessions, for example, okay? I know when I played uh, my sport and even when I started coaching and probably not even that long, maybe even 10 years ago, um, I spent very little time scrimmaging, very little time actually playing the sport. We spent time doing isolated block drills of skill development that were all well and good, but if they don't translate to the game, if they don't translate to the sport as it's played in competition, what is the point? And now you have a, a sort of a, a, a big conversation about small-sided games, teaching games for understanding, okay, whatever the label is that you want to put on things, but most of what we should be doing in 2021 is a competition in practice where maybe it's 2v2, 4v4, whatever it might be in your sport, but it's something specific. You want to work on this specific skill and rather than have the athlete do 50 reps with no defense, you put them into a situation where they get a few reps with no defense and then right away yeah. you put them in, into a constrained game, right? 2v2, 8v8. But they're working on the skill and you just design it so that they work on that skill. That is 2021. That, that's an example of 2021. How we coach our practices, how we coach our teams, how we coach ourselves. Those are some examples. So I have one thing more in my mind, which I, it's just developed just now when when you was talking. Uh, actually, the, the, I think that uh, at the same time, uh, if you have anything in your mind, which is uh, way back, like a skill set or a system of uh, playing, mm -hmm. uh, which is far back, let's say uh, 80s, 90s or 2000s, what we should do to make it upgraded? What we should think to make it upgraded in 2021? You, you can, you, how to make it much more easier and convenient to the player so that they think that, yeah, it's in 2021, it can be implemented in that way. Should we? utter the system that it was in 1980s and it was in 1920 or we should hide the thing of 1980s or 19, uh, 2000 and just say that this should be the concept to play the system or any any skill set anything like that w uh, what do you think 
Yeah, great, great question. And so important, so important um, today. I think the first thing I would say is we should not just discard things because they're old. Some yes. things that are old are eternal and we should maintain these things um, when so. it comes to the ones that are like that, okay? Um, yeah. Style of play is a very interesting one because the, the game has evolved as the athletes have evolved and the skill sets have evolved. Much of what we would be doing as coaches in our sports um, in the past is much of it was because our, our athletes were skill limited. Okay. And yeah. we, we had an idea of playing a particular way as a result of that, because that's just how it was today. Yeah. In general, we have far more skilled athletes. And so my style of play is consistent at a broad level. But it alters season to season at an application level because my skill sets, even though they're greater than they were in my players, they're still going to vary, right, from year to year. So I would say don't just get rid of the old. Think about what doesn't work anymore in your mind to, to you, to your eyes, what should you change yeah. and go about thinking if I were to do it, if I were to change this right now, this is how I would change. It. This is what I would do. And okay. you have that ability, but I, I, I would encourage you to think specifically. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'll use basketball as an example because uh, it's the sport that I know the best. Um, in, in basketball in the 1990s and the 19, you know, pre 1990s, uh, early 2000s, a very slow game, very slow. Um, and you know, if you watch old tape of old games, it was very compressed. Everybody was all stuck together, um, and on the court. And it was really, really difficult for things to, to happen because there were all these big bodies in very small spaces, uh, relatively speaking. And the game was very slow. Now the game is very fast and there are lots of possessions in a game um, because teams are shooting a lot quicker. They're shooting different shots. Um, you know, back then, not many people shot three-point shots. It was very limited. Uh, to who was allowed to shoot three-point shots. Uh, and a team might have two or three shooters that, you know, could shoot. And today, um, oftentimes at high levels, everybody can shoot the three, everybody. Um, and so that, that means that now players are going to be further spaced around the perimeter, which opens up more gaps, which means the game is just completely different, right? Um, and that's... That's evolution of the game, but it's evolution of the game that happened because players were able to do those things. Exactly. And, and they were able to do those things because at some stage, coaches started coaching that, right? So with your athletes, I would encourage you to say, you know, 
I think the game should be played this way because maybe that's how it's played at top level. This is what it looks like. The style of play is different. Um, and our, our athletes at grassroots youth level, they're not going to be as good at, at most things because their bodies are not the same. So they're not going to be as explosive or whatnot, but they can think the game at a high level and they can develop the skill set to be at a high level relative to their age. So be specific, get rid of what doesn't work, right? And what you don't think should be there. Keep what should be there and then innovate, innovate, innovate. And just keep in mind that it's not going to be a one-time thing. There's going to be iterations. You're going to try something. It's not going to work. You're going to try something else, right? And third third try, oh, this is it. I like this, right? It's, it's, It's a process like that. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much with this discussion. I, I, I have opened my mind because I was also thinking of this, uh, how to upgrade myself in the 2021 and to become a coach of 2021. It's a very, 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 very important subject for me to discuss with uh, you. And you have given us a very nice questions. If I have any more questions for this subject or any other subject, I can get back to you through Jeram, Please sir. Do. Because... Uh, uh, I, I'll do that. Um, thank you. If uh, anybody wants to talk with David, sir, you can go ahead. I have my questions done. My <laughs> queries are done. Thank <laughs> thanks you. a lot, no, sir. Thanks, no worries. Thanks, my thanks pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Sir. Hi, hi, David. Hi. Um, Stephen here. Um, I've got a question. Yeah. Um, so where I'm based in where we're moving into games for this um and I, i'm struggling to find the games to implement the concepts i want my players to achieve what, what i've used drills for traditionally um uh, like looking out for passing or um vision for options to um beating players by passing etc um yeah how, how do you how do you use your game setup to to try and teach that stuff? Um, particularly if your teams ha- don't have that concept already captured in mind. So so because the the push for the association is let the athletes work it out for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I I understand this particularly with the dynamics. You know things can change. It helps them uh, develop, but. I'm, I'm wanting to get them at least some framework first so they understand what they need to achieve mm-hmm. before they come into in, in a game scenario. So is there a way that I can still use the, the games for understanding approach to achieve that? Because I, I, I've got no experience of knowing how to, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Great question, Stefan. And um, I'm glad we, we, we had a little bit of a conversation about this last on the weekend um, and I'm glad you're, you're bringing it up again. Um, you know, I think that there is some confusion um, out there at what we call the practitioner level. OK, and the practitioner level, that's that's us. That's the coaches on the ground. OK, um, and not the coach educators, not in the National Federation, not, um, you know, the academics that study uh, sport coaching. We are the practitioners and there is confusion at the practitioner level 
when it comes to, to teaching games for understanding. Um, because I think that if someone or an association, um, if, if they take the simplified version um, and they apply it, it is what you described, where very much a let's open the door, see what happens uh, sort of thing. And uh, I prefer to think about it, um, something called constraints-based approach, the CBA. So that is a, an academic term. Um, there's, there are some great resources available. I'm happy to share them. Um, I, I have studied this at an academic graduate level, so I, I, I sometimes slip back to this. What it means is that we are, we are creating constraints. We limit limitations, parameters, whatever the word is that we want to put on that. And it, it really is the, the limitations which inform the learning, okay, for the athletes. And we are creating this space. One analogy that I like to use is we set the boundary of the sandbox and we set the sand, we set the tools, they create what they create, okay? Once they're in the sandbox, once they're using the tools. What does that look like in, in practice? That looks like you're want, you wanna work on one touch passing um, in transition under pressure with a trailing defender, okay? Um, and so you can have your, your athletes, you can design that activity by constraining their behavior, saying, we are going to start here and there. The defender will start at this third place. We are going to work on that action and the, you're placing the defender in such a place where they are going to be behind. For example, the pass needs to be obviously executed, you know, successfully the touch and the pass needs to be executed successfully you can add a layer to it as they master the basic skill to now we are looking for you know a centering pass or we're looking for whatever the next step is for you design it on a piece of paper frankly um, and think about specifically what the skill is that you would like your your athlete your team to work on capture it on video when you see it on video uh, that's something we need to work on write it down and diagram it um, and take your diagram think about okay what is this going to look like when i'm out on the field all right player here player there ball here stick there this and that layer 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 okay understand where you want to get to and work your way backwards and then you can develop this approach um, by setting the constraints. Because it, it, it really is not, let's just play games, okay? Because at the end of the day, they, the, where our coaching comes into effect today is in developing their ability to make decisions in game context, the right decisions, the decisions that work consistently. Then their ability to adapt when that decision is taken away and in order for them to do that, they need to be put into that situation. Put them in that situation. You might have, uh, Stefan, 25 different situations to put them in. 
And that's, that's, that's great. That's fine. Now you have 25 different games to play. 25 different small-sided games. So taking the big picture and making it real. And again, this connects to your culture. This is what, this is how you live those standards of behavior, those habits. You are taking them and applying them by being athlete-centered because you are, you're not just saying, hey, we're going to do this. Like, look at how we need this skill, right? We need that. There's an example. Here's how we're going to work on it. You know that they're going to develop it better when they're in context. So put them in the context. I don't know if that's helpful. I think so. Cause yeah. Yeah. It, it's just that I, I'm, I'm at the start of it. You know, it, it, as I said, I'm, I'm used to um, give them a drill and you put the cones out and, and, and they do it. Um, yeah. But I, I, I recognize that um, it's not a perfect game like scenario when you do a drill like that. Um, and, and, and you can tell the squad have picked that up as well. Um, but, but I'm trying to sort of, cause they'll, they'll try some of the stuff I'm getting them to work on. Um, but it's, yeah, it's trying to, how to can set I, that can up. Can I stop you on something, Stefan? You just, you just mentioned something. I just want to go back to it. You said it's, it's not a perfect drill and, and the squad recognize that. What do you mean by that? Can you expand on that? Um, they understand the concept, but in the game, something's different. So they can't, so I'm, I'm doing it at a basic level. Um, they understand it in the basic level, but then of course in the game situation, they're already got players on them and, and that sort of thing. So the reaction to that pressure is where it falls to pieces. They understand what they need to do, um, but they're still processing the, the, the concept so that it goes to become an instinct and, and they know to look up and I know my players there and, and they'll be there because I'm trying to do teamwork stuff rather than individual skill work. So it's everyone in the group knowing that's my cue to do this bit now um, so that I'm ready for my role in that, in that, in that, um, in that move. Um, and so they, they, takes them a while to get it in, in practice and then of course when you pop them into competition and, and they're trying it in competition because they remember that's what we were doing um, but of course now I haven't done that with extra players and or, or pressure on them like that that they're um, they, they sort of panic um, and, and so I want to try and emulate some match style work to it for them so they understand it but I've tried um even like rondos or something to, to get them to have the concept, but not um, have too much pressure on them so they can just explore it and try it. Um, but yeah, it's just getting, it's, it's maybe it's the time. I'm not sure if I'm, um, if, I'm not sure if I'm trying too much too fast um, as well, but um, I mean, they're trying it and sometimes they pull it off and, and other times they don't, but yeah, they, they recognize it, I think, more that what we do in the drill was that nice, sterile, perfect laboratory environment. But it's not like that when you've got uh, competition, pressure, and opposition players who won't do what um, the drill does. Um, yeah. They react 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is, that, that's, that is the crux uh, of, of it all. That, that, that is the, the, the is central a- question that we are constantly trying to solve. Okay. As, as coaches and the, the, like the way that that connects. Okay. And I, I just brought up um, this, this slide here on psychological safety. Um, and I, I mentioned it at the start, but in a team with high psychological safety, the teammates feel confident that no one will embarrass or punish them for making a mistake, asking a question or failing at something. Can I make mistakes? Can I take risks? You are asking them to take risks. You are asking them to go into competition and try things. You're asking them to train in a particular way. They, are, they have to put themselves out there for that to work. They need to get outside of their comfort zone. Groups that have this psychological safety, they're better. They're just better, okay? In business, they're better in, in everything, okay? Um, and when we are trying to take the game and put it into a practice setting, we have to remember what, how important it is um, to have this culture that is about them and their development. We celebrate the messiness. We celebrate it. Okay. Change is ugly. Change is ugly. We have to love messy learning. If we want perfection, that's not, we're, we're in the wrong world of sport. Okay. It, we are not in a perfect sport unless you, you know, if you're a diver or if you're, you know, there are sports where you can be technically perfect in, in the moment. We have to be okay with that. We have to be okay with the messiness of their, of changing their learning. It's going to be ugly before it's pretty. It's going to fail before it works. But if you create a culture that is connected, that is athlete-centered, and that has psychological safety, they're going to celebrate that. And it's not just you, you know, say, hey, you know, I love that. Awesome. Even though they, they, they bombed it. It's their, it's their teammates. It's their teammates, you know, taking an opportunity. Hey, man, that was, that was so cool when you tried that. Okay? That was so cool. And they are getting this permission Okay, to to take risks and to and, and, and to to make mistakes and to try things. And then they are going to stay with the process. Right. Because if you set something for them to try and achieve and they fail at it consistently and you stop doing what you're doing, they're never going to come back to it. You if you do something that you think is worth doing, you got to stick with it, even if it fails at first. Even if it fails at first. Because the translation to the game is not, it's not a one-to-one, okay? The amount of time that you need to put into training to work on the, the, uh, the, the small-sided, isolated skill and then drop it into a game scenario in practice, then bring it into a, an actual game environment, that's not going to be done one-for-one, one, okay? That's why, you know, Less is more. Choose to do less. Focus on one or two um, key things to the success of your group, where they are right now. Good clubs, good teams, 
uh, in my opinion, they have a matrix um, where they can see looking forward, you know, what types of uh, development will need to happen. Right. And it's important for coaches to do that. When, when Serge came to play for me, he was at a particular level of play. And my goal was I could see he had several other levels to get to, to go from here to there was not easy. Okay. And it was not instantaneous. Um, but there needs to be that vision that you know you're going to get to. So patience is really important. And grace and patience for yourself is really important too, right? Because if, if we get hung up on the fact that, you know, uh, the players are failing, we're losing games, people are talking. Remember, that's about us. Make it about them. Make it about them. And taking a simple approach is probably going to be more effective in the long run, especially as you're just starting to explore um, what this actually looks like. Take a couple few things and just work on that for a month, you know, and, and see what that sort of carryover is um, as they move forward. Rupam, you wanted to say something? Yeah, yeah, David, sir. Uh, I have some suggestion for, the, uh, for Steven actually regarding the drills regarding the drills as he said i i'm a hockey coach so i can i can explain it to by uh, by hockey actually the thing what uh, i have found in that uh, i'm coming to your uh, previous question that 2021 so nowadays mm -hmm. players like players like to convince themselves according to the situation of the game the part According to the situation of the game, it is nothing like a copybook type uh, that I have to do rondo or I have to do something like that. I think it is much more convincing to a player to give them the situation uh, and uh, to get some feedback from that. If the situation is this in this part of the field, this part of the pitch, uh, and you are you how to handle that situation. Uh, do you think that it can be done? The drill should be done in that way. Uh, a defensive or attacking, anything it may be, but it should be in a convincing way that uh, a player should understand why, when, and how to implement that drill in the game type situation. How to implement that that type of because you have to understand the situation of the game as a coach. I think uh, we should we should uh, give us the time to to get this solved. Every situation you have to have in your mind that how to solve this situation, how to make uh, a player understand to handle the situation in this part of the field or this part of the game. Not mm -hmm. that skill. Skill is different. Skill is individually. It can be done individually. Uh, he has got a good hit. He Somebody has a good scoop. Somebody has good dribbling. But that is different. I think the drill which should be implemented is according to the situation of the game. Not that you have to make yourself uh, understand what drill should be implemented and why, when and how to implement by a player. You have to convince the player 
according to the situation that you have, you can face. Do you think that this, this situation can come and how to solve the situation? By this drill, you think that the situation can be handled. Yes. Uh, yeah. This is my uh, simple suggestion for the coaches, uh, those who are here, to make them understand that and don't, don't go about who is doing what, Rondo, this, that, not, not that. Actually, you have to find yourself in your uh, level that what situation their face is facing regarding regarding attack uh, 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 are you hearing me hearing me sir i got hearing you yeah. yeah yeah i'm here uh, so actually i i want uh, i want to say to uh, the other coaches if they want uh, if they uh, can can share my idea uh, they will be much more uh, easier uh, to handle the level of players because you have to understand the level of your players. You have to let them play. You have to make them make yourself understand what the situation they are going to uh, they are facing and how to solve it. How to make that easier for them to make you have to make the drill. You have to understand the drill yourself first how to make it easier not i don't think sir it is it is important to make yourself understand a new drill to implement in your part of the uh, of your part of your uh, club or your level the level you have you have to make the drill according to your level and yeah. your situation and, yeah. and your athletes should yeah your athlete yeah. should understand the simple thing that the situation should can be like this. He has to be convinced that this situation can be like this and how to handle that situation. Maybe attack, maybe defense, maybe something like wasting of a little bit of time or doing something else. But every situation should be drilled in, in the way it should be drilled. And it should be understandable to the uh, athletes that, yes, this can be done because of this. This could be done because of this. So I think it's, it's a simple idea which I have had tried to share uh, to all the coaches uh, with you because it is also a very nice subject for me because I observe a lot and try to make drill because I don't copy any, any drill from anybody. Uh, I try to yeah, I see them so that I can get some idea from that. But I always try to make a drill of myself, uh, which I I make it through the situation which I face during a game or yeah. player playing. And 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 that's I mean that's that's great. That's some great comments. I think that um, what. Uh, you know, I, I, I look over at my board here and I have a little I have a little cue card and the cue card says, be good at the things that you do the most. Right. So like so. At, at the end of the day, our, our games, our sports are, um, you know, recurring sets of similar situations. OK. Uh, and sometimes we overcomplicate our lives and we overcomplicate um, what it is that we actually should be doing. Identify what you need to be good at. And what you need to be good at are the things that you do the most often. Uh, and then you can find a way to try and translate 
a game environment into a practice setting. And you can articulate a way for the players to get the repetitions that they need within the context of your training, but that is as competitive as possible. And remember, we as coaches, we are the facilitators of the culture. And when we create the sandbox, okay, I go back to the sandbox idea. When we create the parameters, you got to be okay with what they create, right? Like the, the best way to kill creativity is to say, hey, go ahead and make something happen. And then when they make something happen, you're like, oh, why'd you do that, right? If, if we are going to be um, building a culture that is about the athlete, that is about their development, that where the coach is, um, you know, creating alongside the athlete, these standards of behavior and these actions, that's where we need to be building that on the day-to-day. -day, and that happens in practice. So when it comes to practice preparation or when it comes to practice delivery, your practice is your culture. When I walk into your practice and I watch your practice for five minutes, I should already get a pretty good understanding of what your team culture is. Exactly. Beautiful. And I'm, I'm not going to see that because the coach is on the sideline saying, hey, this is what we're mm -hmm. about. This is what we're about. This is what we're about. No. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I'm going to see it based on how you are training, what the players yeah. are doing in their behaviors, how they yeah. are interacting with each other. How they enjoy how enjoying the subject, enjoying the enjoying the drill, exactly. the body language. Exactly. Body language exactly. of a player will will let you understand the how what the coach is doing. Yeah, what the coach is doing in the in the field. Actually, yeah. you don't have to understand what the coach is wanting to say. Actually, you 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 can understand this by the body language and the behavior of the player on field off field off field. They are satisfied with the coaches or not. Actually, that yeah. is much more important. You you may be a less known coach. You may be less. Uh, un, uh, uh, less educated coach, but the relation with your your athletes and the players uh, with you will will give you a result. Will give you a result. The, the the relation, the the understanding, the the articulation of your and the co and the and the athletes will make you the big bigger coaches. The understanding with the with the subject and subject. Uh, I mean, subject is uh, like the athletes, the players, which you are dealing with, the, their body language, they're happy or not. Everybody in, a, in the, let's say, the management group will be happier to see player is happy with the coach, player is enjoying the subject, enjoying the game and trying to implement whatever they are learning. They, they should be convinced that, yes, this is the man or, or yes, this is the subject. This area of the field which I can I can handle. I know what I have to do there. I know what how, how to handle the situation. This is what I think a coach and a player uh, should be uh, related like, like uh, have to understand themselves. Uh, uh, the relation with the coaches and the and the player should be like this. Uh, yeah. it, it should not be like uh, aggressive something, or it it should not be like very friendly. It should be. A, a balanced, balanced relation with the coaches uh, and the players, and 
I think which you are saying, sir, it's very, 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 very important that uh, a player and a coach, according to the level, it should be subjected. It should be understandable. It should be uh, in a in a in a in a system. Uh, you you can't follow a Argentina Brazil match to a level which you are doing at your place uh, in a village because you can show you can you can say that this is the thing what he has done but it is not that you uh, what messi is doing in a field a player from your 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 level can do but that is not uh, not like disencouragement uh, uh, it should not be encouraged like that it should be encouraged in a way yes you also can do but you you do in this way you try to do something like this something like this so that he he don't think that i can't be messy but i can be me i can't yeah. be messy but i can be me it yeah. the player should the, the athlete should have that confidence before the game before the main show that yes i i i know the subject what i'm going to do in the field it it should be clear in his mind that why i am here why i am in the field which part of the field i am i am protecting or i am uh, helping my team out that is much more important for the coaches to understand that uh, how the player uh, will be much more clear uh, uh, about the subject about the uh, thing what he's trying to say yeah i think you know, uh, i think, I I think you're hitting on a lot of really good points i think there is a lot of truth to what you're saying um you know fundamentally I, I think you know as I as I move to the to the final final uh, parts of, of our of our time here. Fundamentally, I think what I would like everyone to to walk away with, if there was something um, that I would like everyone to leave the session with, is this idea that we should be reflective and um, thoughtful about the way that we try to do what we're trying to do with our groups. Okay. If we want to build a culture, it matters. I think we've, you know, we're, we can agree on that. The culture of your team matters. The culture is what's going to inform and direct how you do what you do, how you play, how you coach, how you are coached, how you live together, how you live in the water together. Okay. The culture is what's important there, but it needs to be relative to who you are as a person needs to be relative to who you're working with um, as your team, the athletes that you have, the context that you have um, to work with, where are your athletes? Are you in a big city, a small town? Like all of these different things, they matter, okay? And just as I move to the final sort of slide here, and then Jerome, I'm gonna turn it back over to you. Um, I, I just wanna finish by saying a couple things. First, you know, talk is cheap. Uh, I, I've said it uh, in a few different ways, but we really need to bring the ideas to life every day. Okay. Your culture is not a slogan or a word or a memo. It is action-based. It is action-based. Your culture is a set of lived standards. It's a set of habits. Okay. It's how we do what we do together. Okay. In your place, whatever that looks like, whatever that is. Okay, where you are. You can be athlete-centered. You can build an athlete-centric uh, culture and compete 
and have a deep desire to win. Trust me on this. This does not mean that we need to continuously try to wring every little last ounce out of our athletes. If we do it right, they're going to do that for us. Okay, We don't have to take an approach with our athletes where we are, um, you know, it's about us. Make it about them. Lift them up. Okay. Be positive with them. Uh, support them. Challenge them. Hold them accountable uh, to, to what it is that you have set together as your culture. Hold them accountable. You endorse what you tolerate, period. Okay. So whatever, start small, start small, but build your way forward with your, um, with your program. We need to be a learner as well as a teacher, um, as coaches. So that mindset of being, you know, a, a constant learner, um, our culture is not static because our team is not static. Our people are not static. We are constantly evolving. Situations change. The world changes. This past year, I had a college team where we were in quarantine. We couldn't practice. We could practice. If we could practice, we couldn't pass the ball to each other. Then we were able to pass the ball, but we couldn't compete. Then we could compete. Then we could not compete. Then we had to stop for two months. Like the, all of these different things, okay, they change a person. And if your culture does not adapt, it's going to be left behind. And always remember that what we are trying to do is create an environment where people want to be on the bus. And we have a very clear picture of the type of people that we want on the bus. Okay, we need to be very, very specific about it. It's not as complicated as it might seem. Coaches, it's not that complicated. Whether you're coaching a youth group, high performance group, doesn't matter. Be a good person, coach your players the way you wish you had been coached, okay? Teach them how to compete. If something matters to you, count it. If you count it, understand why you're counting it and know exactly what you're gonna do with it. Remember, if your culture is being translated from an, a value, an idea, into something that can be lived, you need to count that behavior. You need to understand how you can go about counting the times that you see that behavior being or not, okay? And that gives you the ability to continue reinforcing, to continue tending to your ecosystem that you have uh, within, within your group. But I guess as a final comment, um, believe in yourselves that what you are doing matters because it does. Believe that your culture matters because it does. Believe that you need to be intentional about building your culture because you do. If you want to build it and not break it, you need to be intentional about what you are doing, how you are doing it, and why you are doing it. If you're not and you just leave it to occur uh, as it will, 
you're far more likely to be breaking culture than building it. Okay. And the same, um, the same sort of framework applies to the session, applies to the session plan. You need to know what you want to do, why you want to do it, how you're going to do it in order for it to be effective. Okay. And that is a, a very large conversation when it comes to practice planning and, and session delivery. I'm happy to have more conversations on that. When it comes to culture, fight the good fight because it's worth fighting. And your players and your teams are going to benefit from you pouring the time in and from you leading the group. Okay. We are still leaders. We are the captains of the ship. And so we need to make a decision uh, about how we want the water to be. And if we're doing it right, we're involving people in that process. We are making people feel connected and be connected to the process of building that culture. And that is how you can make sure that the water stays clean, the garden stays fresh, you get what you planted, right? And all of the things that come about from that performance-wise begin to appear over time, okay? So just a final thought there, Jerome. I'm going to turn it back over to you. I hope that was um, helpful in some way to the coaches. Thank you, David. Um, thank you to everyone who's, who's been with us today for, uh, for this workshop. It's been fantastic uh, to be a part of it. It's been really, uh, really informative. I hope everyone got... Uh, a great deal out of it. Um, we uh, that brings us to the end of this uh, this this workshop. We hope we will have more in the future. Uh, we are looking to have more. There's a couple coming up uh, very soon on things such as mental health and um, funding for grassroots sport, which is a huge a huge issue, obviously out there right now. But there will be some others on on specifics to do with coaching as well. Um, over the next few months and, and etc. as well. So uh, thanks again for everyone participating and um, that brings us to yeah. the end of uh, today. Yeah, Jerome, just before we all go, I'm just going to go back to the very start. Um, if I can here real quick, just everybody, if you did want to take a, a screenshot or take note of, of the, the number, the WhatsApp is open um, and uh, the email is, is live. You can go ahead and reach out anytime um, if, if, if we're not already connected on other platforms or whatnot, but please don't hesitate. Uh, I mean it when I say it, uh, that I, I, love, um, I love connecting with, uh, with coaches from all over the place and uh, just uh, trying to grow, uh, grow what it is that we do at different levels. Um, and um, I'll just stop my share again, uh, but um, thank you uh, to all the coaches from me I appreciate your attention, your time uh, tonight. I know that there are, you know, we're all over the world and in different time zones and whatnot. So I appreciate um, every single person that participated. Um, oh, did I freeze again? Yeah, I, think I, you I, again. I froze again. I froze again. I'm at. The, this is the border, Jerome. I'm telling session. Thank anyway, you, I just want to say thank you, everybody. That's, that, that's what I wanted to say. Thank you very much. Um, thank you, David. Thank you to everyone. Please make sure you get in touch. If, if, you, can't, if you can't get in touch, get in touch with us. 
myself, I'll, I will, I'm happy to pass on questions as well uh, where possible. So uh, thank you again, everyone. And uh, that brings us to end. Thank you, David. Thank you to everyone for participating. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Take Thanks care. so much. And Thanks so much.